You're listening to The Refined Hippie Podcast, a show all about holistic lifestyle, nutrition, and plant-based veganism for a mind-body-spirit approach to living healthfully and happily for ourselves and our planet. Hello, my lovely friends. I am your host, Rebecca Henson. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. This is the first episode of the new podcast posting day. I have changed it from Thursday slash Friday to Tuesday, which is actually the day that I had it scheduled when I first started this podcast. So slowly over time, it went to posting the podcast on Wednesday, and then I was posting the podcast on Thursday, and then sometimes they were happening on Friday. But I think that that slowly progressed basically because of last year and kind of how crazy it was with the world and scheduling guests and feeling overwhelmed, all of those different things. So it slowly went to Thursday, Friday. But but Tuesday, I think, is going to be a better day for me. I hope it works for you. It might not make a difference, but we're going for it. So welcome to this episode. Uh, Before I get into anything, I just want to remind everyone that my plant-based gut guide is coming out and I actually just officially set the launch day for the plant-based gut guide. It is going to be launching April 15th, so keep an eye out. Also, if you have not already signed up for my newsletter, be sure to do that. You can do that from my website or also on Instagram. If you go to my bio and then my link tree, there is an icon that directs you right to a pop-up that you can sign up for my newsletter. So those who are signed up for my newsletter will be getting the gut guide first before anybody else. So another reason to go ahead and sign up, but I am really, really stoked about this gut guide. It has been something that I've wanted to do for months, even years at this point, and I'm finally getting it done. So I am really excited and can't wait to share it. The other thing I would like to just add is if you have not already watched the documentary Seaspiracy, highly, highly recommend. Derek and I watched it this past weekend at a friend's house, and I've been anticipating it for months. I mean, it is a documentary that fills a void as far as environmental movies, plant-based movies, vegan movies, um, just showcasing what is actually happening to the oceans and why they're dying. Because, uh, slight spoiler, it's not what you think, basically. So a lot of us think that plastic is the main driver for the oceans being decimated, but that's not the cause. So really great film. There are some times that are a little bit difficult to watch if you're like me. Um, I did watch it at a friend's house, so I had to hold it together a little bit. (laughs) But if I had been watching it alone, I probably would have had a harder time. Um, And I am going to do probably a film review on that soon. Um, Not really sure when. And it might be with a friend of mine. So we're chatting about maybe doing an Instagram live. I've never done one and she's never done one. So I'm not going to give out names yet because it hasn't, we haven't fully committed, but I'm trying to go out of my comfort zone a little bit more. Um, 
spring just does that, right? It just, and that's what spring is. It's about rebirth, renewal, transformation, and another reason why I love the spring. I mean, I love the spring for a plethora of reasons, (laughs) certainly because it's warm and also because it just, it ignites all kinds of new emotions that are positive, I feel like. So stay tuned for that. And with that, we will get right into it. So this episode is going to be about my experience starting an organic vegetable garden. I will begin by saying that I am not an expert whatsoever, quite the opposite. I am just going to share what I've learned so far, because obviously I've learned more than I did, than I knew six months ago. Um, but I am n- by no means an expert. I will be sharing this whole process as I go along and as the seasons change and uh, share what's working for me and what's not. But I have wanted to grow a vegetable garden for years now. This is literally a dream of mine. Ever since I became more health conscious, was trying to heal my body, was learning all about food and produce and the energy that that vegetables and fruits have, that plants have, and what happens to them once they're picked, right? So basically... When you have produce that travels a a far distance, right? Let's say that you buy something from South America. You have to imagine how how long ago it was picked, right? And how long it takes to travel. And then when it comes across the border, they're going to be irradiated. So what the heck is irradiated? Irradiation. First off, the word itself, irradiate. What What word is in there? radiation radiation radioactive of course they claim the u.s government claims that it does not compromise nutritional quality and that it's a new technology that improves the safety and extends the shelf life of fruits and vegetables Hmm. extends the shelf life on a natural beautiful plant An article written in 2002 by the Organic Consumers Association says that irradiation does damage the quality of the food by breaking up molecules and creating free radicals. The free radicals kill some bacteria, but not all. The free radicals bounce around in the food, damaging the vitamins and enzymes and combine with existing chemicals like pesticides in the food to form new chemicals called unique radiolytic products or URPs. Some of the URPs are known toxins, benzene and formaldehyde. Some are unique to irradiated foods and never studied. In the approval of irradiation, the long-term effect of these new chemicals in our diet were never studied. Imagine that. Irradiated food loses 5% to 80% of vitamins A, C, E, K, B complex. That's a big range, but foods vary greatly. Different foods lose different vitamins. Also, the amount of loss changes when the dose of irradiation or storage time is changed. Most of the food in the American diet is already approved for irradiation by the U.S. FDA. Beef, pork, lamb, poultry, wheat, wheat flour, vegetables, fruits, eggs in the shell, seeds for sprouting, spices, herb teas. 
The FDA is currently considering a food industry petition to irradiate luncheon meats, salad bar items, sprouts, fresh juices, and frozen foods. The USDA is considering irradiation for imported fruits and vegetables. So this was written in 2002, and as far as I know at this point, I mean, this was 20 years ago, almost 20 years ago, and they are, they do irradiate foods that are imported. So anything that you get out of the country, it goes through customs and it gets irradiated. Um, of course, it says science has not proved that a diet high in irradiated foods is safe in the long term. So moral to this is try to buy as local as possible, right? That the longer something has to travel, not only is it going to lose nutritional value regardless of the radiation, you know, if you're buying something from California, which granted, of course, I'm going to buy avocados from California. I mean, we can't grow avocados over here. So that's a totally different thing. Also, organic foods cannot be irradiated. So if it says organic, technically it cannot be irradiated. The EPA says foods which have been irradiated, no matter how they are grown or produced, cannot be labeled as USDA certified organic. So they claim that if it's organic, they cannot be irradiated. So let's hope that that is actually true. I, you just never know. But the moral of this story, (laughs) the moral, moral of that little rant that I went off on is the closer you can get your produce the fresher you can get it, um, the healthier and more nutritional. And that is one of the reasons why, of, of the many reasons why, that I wanted to grow my own garden. I do find it very romantic that of this vision of just going out into the garden, you know, plucking a few stems of kale, maybe some spinach, and then going back and making my smoothie, I mean, I would love to have blueberries and things like that, but we're going to start small here, okay, people? One thing at a time. Apparently, leafy greens are not very hard. So the first step that I did as far as figuring out my garden is figuring out the sunlight and the placement of your garden. So you want a space that has a minimum of six hours a day of direct sun so your vegetables will grow you know, optimally. For us, we have a very narrow uh, backyard and we have a giant, beautiful magnolia tree that creates a lot of shade. So there was really only one spot that would work at all unless we decided to put it in our front yard, which I think is awesome too, if that's what you need to do. Uh, Actually, when we, side note, when we traveled to Vancouver a couple years ago, that was one of the things that struck me was in the city of Vancouver, almost everybody has a vegetable garden in their front yard. It was amazing. In their front yard, or even some of them were basically in the little uh, grass section between you know the road and the sidewalk. People would have gardens there, and they really utilized every square inch of their property, which I love. I think that's amazing. And maybe one day I'll have a full garden in my front yard. Who knows? I'll be a full-on farmer giving away produce all the all the time. But yeah, so find that perfect spot. Ours, there was there was no other place. It was our garden was going in the corner. And 
that's where it is. So that was great. The next step for us was building raised beds. You can, of course, grow your produce in the ground, but we really wanted to do raised beds. So we did two four by eights and they're about 11 inches high. And we decided to do cedar. You could also use cypress. I've seen some places say you can use spruce or chestnut, but you want a naturally rot resistant and long lasting wood, of course. And you also would want to choose untreated because, you know, treated wood, who wants to ingest that? It would certainly seep into your soil and that does not sound appetizing at all. Um, So those are some things to think about as far as making your beds. Also, you want to think about how high you want. I mean, we went with just 11 inches high. The higher you go, obviously, the more soil you need. So at this point in my life, I'm fine with bending over. Uh, If you already have back problems or have a sensitive back, then you might want to consider having some beds that are waist high. Another thing that you could use if you're not wanting to use wood is I've seen galvanized steel beds and I have seen some gardeners post about them who do grow organic gardening gardens. I have not done a lot of research on those so I can't say with much certainty on how toxic that is, you know, if you're using, if you're trying to grow organic, but just something to look into. They look pretty cool. They're kind of more industrial, Um, but we just went with a very standard, easy design. It doesn't have a lot of bells and whistles. It doesn't have a lot of detail other than just the wood is put together in a box. (laughs) And I... I got a lot of ideas. I went on Pinterest, of course, to look at ideas. There's also a few Instagram people that I started following and looked at some of their photos because there was one of them, Rita Rita's Roots. She's in Charleston, and she had posted some beds that she makes. So she goes around, and you can hire her to make the beds for you and even bring the soil in, which is really awesome. At this point, I don't know that Wilmington has anything like that, so we had to do it ourselves. And the soil was more work than I would have wanted. I called a lot of different places trying to look for organic soil, specifically in bulk. So there's a bag mixture that I really like that is organic, vegan, all the things However, if we had gone that route, it would have been about three times the cost. Plus, we would have had all of the plastic waste from 45 bags. That's how much it was going to take. It was going to take 45 bags of the organic mix that I like, which I use for my pots. And so we didn't want to go that route. So trying to find bulk organic soil did prove to be a little bit more difficult. I called so many different places. Ultimately, we found, or I just basically just made the decision. I was like, well, this is what we're going to do. So it is a mixture, 50-50, of compost and topsoil. So the compost is certified 
OMRI, which is a specific designation that you want to look for when you're choosing organic soil. That stands for Organic Materials Review Institute. So whenever you're looking at bagged products too, you should look for the OMRI. So the compost that we chose is the OMRI. However, the 50% of topsoil, they cannot specifically designate it because where we get it from or where they get it from is from the tops of, I guess, some forest in North Carolina and they have not tested it. So that was a little bit of a bummer for me because in my mind, I certainly had it set that I was going to know for sure. And at this point, I don't really, which is kind of unfortunate. However, at this point, you know, I think to start out, it's fine. Over time, I am going to be adding in my own compost. We are definitely planning on starting composting. (laughs) That's the next step. So maybe I'll do a podcast episode on that because in my mind, that also looks intimidating. But per the YouTube videos I've watched, it's not rocket science, y'all. It's really easy. So the next step is for us to compost and we will have our own nutrient-dense compost to add into our garden beds and all around our property. So, you know, I had to start somewhere and we might not be able to say that it's fully organic. However, it probably is. They just can't give it that designation. Also, if you know about organic labeling in general, it costs a lot of money to get that organic label. So I understand that some places don't even want to go through the hassle because it's so it's so expensive and they have to jump through a lot of hoops. The other thing that we have done to our beds is we have attached a type of weed control fabric underneath. Supposedly it is non-toxic. It lets the water and air filter out. So we will see how that goes as time progresses. I did not pick that out. Derek did. Derek ordered it. Fingers crossed that it works and that it's healthy and will be fine for the plants. Next step at this point is to put all of the dirt into the actual beds and plant some actual seeds in there. I'm really excited. I have a bunch of seeds that I have been wanting to use and finally get the chance. I am going to start with leafy greens because they apparently are one of the easiest things to grow. They can also be grown in pretty much all seasons, which is great because I love them and we will have lots of them. The other things that are on my list to grow in April are snow peas, possibly tomatoes. I don't know. I think that they are they have a lot of pests, so we'll see. Zucchini, spinach, as I said, green pea beans, maybe potatoes, watermelon, peas, cucumbers. This is just basically the list of things that do well in April. Whether or not I'll do all of those, I'm not sure because I do believe I should probably start smaller and work my way up. Also, one of the plant stores here sells a bunch of herbs and also sells some chard and kale and things like that that are already sprouting and already growing. 
I might just buy some of those to start with and plant them in the beds, see how that goes, and really just go from there. I already have a bunch of herbs that I might transfer over to the garden beds just so they can really space out and get big. Because whenever things things are contained, obviously in a container, they can only get so big. And I want them to flourish and grow really, really big. So I'm going to put them in there and see what happens. I will keep everybody in the loop of this vegetable garden journey. I feel like I'm just going back to my roots, <laughs> pun intended, but it's true. I mean, this is one of the most natural things for humans to do that I believe is ingrained in all of us, but recently there's been, in the past few decades, there has been, hmm, well, one, people are very afraid of dirt these days. They think dirt is dirty and that it has germs, but really it is one of the most natural immune-boosting things that we can do is play in the dirt. Not only does it release endorphins, makes us happier, we get outside in nature, which boosts our immune system, but the dirt boosts our immune system because we're exposing our bodies to all kinds of different bacterias. So playing in the dirt is beneficial on a lot of levels, not only spiritually, but physically, mentally, all of those things. And for most of us, our ancestors were farmers, whether or not they were small time farmers, maybe they just had a garden. My grandparents had a very large garden. Um, I come from a, an agricultural family in general, but they had a, a very immense garden with all kinds of green beans and tons of different berries. Oh my gosh. And the black eyed peas they had every, I mean, I've, I will never have a black eyed pea like the ones that my grandparents grew. They were my favorite vegetable in the whole world. And it was like known in our family that I loved black eyed peas, specifically my grandmother's. But yeah, it's just, it's just getting back to that foundation and those, that roots. And, you know, I think that also, everything that's happened in the past year has made a lot of us more aware of how dependent we are on a system that is very fragile. And, well, heck, with Bill Gates being the largest farm land owner in the United States, I think that should be a red flag that maybe we should, just in case, start growing our own produce at least to supplement what we get at the grocery store. You know, if I could just buy half as much as I do from from the grocery store, that is an ult- that's like the ultimate goal. Heck, even just 25% at this point. I'm just going to start with 25%. <laughs> we got to we can work our way up to 50, but starting out, my goal is to grow at least 25% of what I would buy at the grocery store. Again, it's much more nutritious. It's it's definitely going to be work. I am anticipating that. But I'm ready for the challenge. You know, I think that we, again, our society is, we're just so, we're overworked, we're overstressed, and we think we don't have enough time, but yet we make enough time to sit and look on Instagram. I mean, totally guilty right here. 
We make enough time to do internet stuff when we could be using that in a much more productive way that is not only more productive mentally, but physically and I think will help nourish our souls in a much richer way. So with that, I will leave you, my friends. I appreciate you so much. I appreciate you listening to this episode. If you are interested in gardening, shoot me a message. Again, I am not an expert, (laughs) but I am happy to help you figure out whatever your question is. I'm always wanting to learn more. And I'm also just happy anyone who is interested in growing their own food, because I think this is an excellent way to heal the land, heal our souls, and get back to to our roots. So until next time, my lovely friends, peace and plants. <laughs>